Hi, and welcome to the LJPC Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Cunningham. This podcast is all about the people who work at and who attend La Jolla Presbyterian Church in La Jolla, California. We live in a beautiful and special community full of amazing people who have lived amazing lives, and I have the pleasure of interviewing some of them on this podcast. Subscribe to the LJPC Conversations podcast so you can hear their stories. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing my friends, Mike and Sarah Cedric. Hi, and welcome. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah, good to have you guys. All right, Mike. Hi. Ready. We're going to start with you. Wonderful. Uh, What do you do here at the church? Tell us us about that. Shannon, that's a good question because (laughs) I have quite a few things that are happening. Uh, We really have gone through a couple transitions with staff, and last August, I moved over to take over Community Life, the pastor of Community Life, which is everything that doesn't fall into a specific demographic, like worship and arts, or seniors, or youth and children, everything else falls under Community Life. And so got to partner with some great staff over here, but uh, we did have some staff transitions, and so currently I have... Half of my time is in community life, and then the other half is kind of working alongside Susie, our director of family ministries, and Abraham and Jasmine, who are both doing uh, youth and also children's ministry. And so we have it's – it's a little unorthodox. There's not a great org chart right now at this point, but it really is a very good and healthy time for ministry. But I just find myself doing a little of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is challenging at times because you can't focus 100% on one area, and we have so many events that take place. But it's also really energizing and exciting to be yes. able to have so many different things happening and being able to work with such a good staff. So well, I, we're blessed to have you. I love I love being it, and there's it's really a great staff and mm-hmm. fun to work with. And um, so that's what I do here mm-hmm. during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite things that I'm currently doing, additionally, are I'm meeting with some high school and college students on Sunday mornings at Harry's Coffee Shop Mm -hmm. to go over a book study. We're going through this really great book called Everybody Always, and it's just about Jesus' command to love everybody always. Mm -hmm. And then it's fun because from there, after having breakfast together, we just come immediately to church, and we get to all be at the 10 o'clock service together, which is really fun. And then, of course, participating in high school group on Sunday Mm -hmm. nights and Wednesdays with middle schoolers. and So there's a lot of things, but... Really, really good and fun things that yes, I like doing. Yes, you're involved in a lot. So that's the big picture, not the specifics. But the Mike runs picture. the church. Mm, with Paul and <laughs> <laughs> the session. It's and good. Every, everybody, and everybody. People. It's a great team. It, it really is, is a great team. I feel very blessed to have such a great team here and work with everybody. That's right. That's yeah. right. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Sarah, I know you're involved with some things at the church, too. Uh, why don't you share with us? Well, since we've had kids, I've mainly helped wherever they are at church. Um, when they were in preschool, I helped in the preschool Sunday school. Um, I've helped with the kids' choirs. I've helped with VBS in the summer. Um, recently, the past couple of years, I've been doing check-in for elementary Sunday school at 10, 10 o'clock service for a long time. Um, I also just recently joined the Wednesday evening growth group with Bernie and Ann Porter, which is really great. Um, also in the past, I've participated in the Gifts of the Heart art show and the Advent Art Wall, which I hope to be able to get involved again yeah, soon. We'd love that. Um, I've been a little busy, but <laughs> hopefully soon. Yes, great. Lots of stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, where you grew up, how you guys met, how long you've lived in San Diego. Tell us about your kids. Just whatever you guys want to share. You want to go first for me? You go first. Well, I grew up here in San Diego and Del Mar, and I don't remember any of this because I was not yet born, but <laughs> the reason why my parents decided to start attending La Jolla Press was simply because Solana Beach Press, which was considerably closer to our house, didn't have pews. Oh. And my mom <laughs> was willing to sacrifice Many things. She liked to get very dressed up and mm-hmm. wear a hat and gloves to mm. go to church on Sundays. But um, when they came out here, she was willing to get rid of the hat and the gloves, but she was not willing to get rid of sitting in a pew. And what years were, was this? This is like 69. Yeah, okay. 
from the 1900s, so a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) So we had, uh, like I said, I was not born yet, but they started attending here at La Jolla. Mm -hmm. So it just became our home church. But growing up in Del Mar, the only thing we ever did in La Jolla was come on church Sunday mornings. And then as we got older, we participated in either Sun House Mm -hmm. or whatever ministry was going on. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of trips back and forth to Del Mar, but uh, um, it was good. So I have, of course, my two older brothers. Jim works here. John is heavily involved in a lot of ministry, but with his church closer to where they live. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad still lives in the same house that he bought in the late 60s. Um, Everybody who's probably listening to this knows that my mom passed away in 2001. Um, But she and he were both very instrumental in making sure that we attended church and that that church was just part of our Mm -hmm. weekend DNA. Um, And then after high school and graduated, I really had zero desire to go do a lot of school. And so I took just a year off and enjoyed working and surfing. And at that point, I really decided I wanted to go into oceanography hmm. um, and had this strange desire to want to study sharks. And hmm. I don't, I'm not sure where that came from. Hmm. I just thought probably because I could surf a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> from there, I went up and visited my brother, John, who was at Whitworth University mm-hmm. at the time. And I always tell people that's where I received my calling to ministry. Yeah. I had given my life to Christ in high school on a mission trip, but that's where I received my calling to ministry. Mm. And it was all based on the story of the wise men, the magi, coming and seeing Jesus. And in uh, Luke 2, where it talks about the magi come and they see and they worship Jesus. And then it says they go home a different route, mm-hmm. having been warned in a dream. Hmm. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was about as close to an audible voice as you could get, mm-hmm. that it was, this is what I want you to do, Mike. I want you to be the one who brings people to see me and to worship me and then watch them go home a different route. Hmm. And that's been my blessing and reason for ministry my whole time is the blessing to see the transformation take mm-hmm. place because all the credit goes to the Lord for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I've lived into that calling. Uh, and so I s- uh, quickly abandoned oceanography, transferred up to Whitworth, and pursued going into ministry full time. Yeah. I, I volunteered at whatever youth group was around me, whether that was summertime here at La Jolla Press or up in Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. And it was that last year that I... Uh, I had one last semester because I was a transfer student that I decided I am going to just focus on finishing school. I don't, I'm don't. i just going to hang out with my friends that I have here, and then I'm going to immediately go back to San Diego. Hmm. And that's when Sarah walked into mm. the room, and suddenly <laughs> my plans completely changed. And I knew that she was just the one that God was bringing mm. me, us together. I just knew it. And hmm. I always tell people. The moment you saw her? Uh, it was actually 12 days after if okay. we're going totally okay. all in. It was 12 days. It took her longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Lord is good, so that's fine. Um, but she was going back to Colorado, and I said to myself, if this is the girl I'm going to marry, I guess I'm going to Colorado. Really? So she went back, and she was living at her parents and went back to school there. And I was living about 45 minutes away in this tiny little one stoplight town mm. they celebrated the day that Vaughn's opened <laughs> I mean it was crazy but that was their big shopping yeah. you know, big grocery store and I was just overwhelmed with how small the town was mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> but uh, we continued dating that entire time and then uh, got engaged and then married in two th- August of 2000 mm. and we moved out here to have the wedding here, and then we just stayed here. Hmm. So do you have things that you want to talk about your story up to the point we're married? Sure. And then... um, I didn't grow up in California. I grew up in Rhode Island and Texas. Um, and then after high school, we moved to Colorado, and my parents and my sister are still there. Um, I went up to Whitworth, which is where I met Mike, and he was about to graduate, and I was only a sophomore, but... Um, I was not, I had not been serious about my studies, um, and he, meeting him was a good thing in many ways. Um, he helped to ground me and helped me to get serious about faith. Um, 
And I went back home to Colorado, and fortunately, he liked me enough to follow me there <laughs> <laughs> after he graduated. Um, so that was about three years we were back there. Um, then we, like Mike said, moved out here and got married. Um, and when we first came out here, we were both we both worked at the church at LJPC. Mike uh, was the middle school director for a while. I also got to finish my graphic design degree when we were here at SDSU. Um, then he, Mike did some extension classes for Fuller Seminary. And finally, we decided it was time to move up to Pasadena to do seminary full time and finish up. Um, so we went up there and I worked at a church up there while he went to school and got his MDiv. And about the time he was finished, we had our first little boy, Calvin. So mm-hmm. that was the beginning of our <laughs> kind of marriage and first child. So, and that was in Pasadena. That was in, that Pasadena. Was in Pasadena. Yeah. Okay. And it was awesome. We had a 400 square foot house. 475. 475. Really? Yeah. So small. <laughs> like a, a house or a little it apartment? Was, or? It was a it was duplex. Like a duplex. It was half of a duplex. Yeah. Ah, on campus? Yeah. No. No. If you know Pasadena, it was north of the 210, huh. which is not the best huh. area. We always joked that it wasn't a weekend until the police spotlight went around our house. There were lots of helicopters. Yeah, lots of helicopters. And I would skateboard to school, which was really funny because people would target me of wanting to sell me things north of the 210 being a skateboarder. Whoops. And I'd be like, I'm a seminary student. (laughs) Leave me alone. They always knew that he was a a youth guy. (laughs) Like, oh, there comes the youth guy. Oh, that's funny. Youth pastor. So we, I don't know where you, how far you want us to go, but it was, Calvin was five weeks old and I was, I had graduated from seminary and that's when I started having all kinds of health issues. Yeah, course. you can go ahead and jump into that. You can tell us that there there were these things happening <laughs> in yeah. your personal life um, right around the time that you started looking for your first call. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, so go, and, go for you it. know, a, a call is just the fancy Presbytery churchy way of saying getting mm-hmm. a position at a church. Mm-hmm. But As it, a pastor, though. As a pastor. As an ordained yeah. pastor. And it's yes. nice because that's saying... It's confirmation that the church feels God is calling you Mm -hmm. to the place. And as a pastor, you feel you are being called by God to Mm -hmm. that place. So it's a great mutual calling. Uh, So I had graduated and needed a job just in the meantime until I received that call. Mm -hmm. And it was when I was in that position that I started having just all kinds of these health issues. And I'll just make it very short. But... I knew something wasn't right, and I, I might, I would have a very fast heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I remember going to like a CVS or Save On or Ralph's, and they had one of those free blood pressure mm-hmm. things, and I did it, and it was higher than I wanted it to be. Yeah. But I just excused it away as, oh, it's probably just because nervous I was, or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some irrational idea. Mm-hmm. So, the day my insurance kicked in happened to be the same day that Sarah and I had been uh, the job was the audiovisual and we were actually out in like the desert somewhere mm-hmm. and we had brought Calvin as five week old Calvin with us and I said hey I need I want Sarah to go with me and so we had been at some show with the audiovisual and I remember there was this moment that I was in charge of focusing one of the projectors and I couldn't see the focal point hmm. and because I developed this like dark spot in my vision. Yeah. Looking back, I know that that was because my blood pressure was so high that my the the vessels in my brain were pushing against my optic mm. nerve, which was a scary thing to learn. Mm-hmm. But uh, on our way home, Sarah was driving, and I was so scared because I couldn't see the elevator buttons to push or anything. And so that was the day my insurance went active, hmm. and I went immediately to the doctor. Long story short. It was kidney failure and started a road to dialysis. But there was a lot of scary moments there when Sarah had a Mm five-week-old son and I was in the hospital ICU with with kind of an unsure what's going to happen. And this was – you weren't here yet. No. So that was like May 2007. Yeah. And – I went on dialysis and all that stuff, and then just the way, and it's a cool story. It's probably worth telling, but not mm-hmm. right here. 
that I was offered a position here mm-hmm. in July of 2007. So that was two months of me being mm-hmm. up there. And I had to come here before the session, and they said, what's going on health-wise? Mm-hmm. And I told them and that I was on dialysis but expecting the kidney transplant. And it's a fortunate thing. There was doctors who were on the session, and they yeah. were like, yeah, that's all very true. So there was good confirmation there. And I just still think it's a huge act of grace from Paul and the session and mm-hmm. the church that they said, here is a suffering servant on dialysis, mm. and we'll still take him. Yeah. And so I had a lot of questions uh, in my faith journey, though, of, Lord, why would you call me into ministry? Mm-hmm. And right when I get this position, right when I finish seminary, this health situation mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we came down here, which was a huge blessing, and... Then uh, a year and a half later, we had our son, Duncan, yeah. who is now 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we really, they, they encouraged us that if we, the more children, if we wanted to have more children, we should have them. Because once you receive a transplant, the medication you go on, it's not wise to have kids. Yeah, yeah. So we have those two guys. And I know it was really hard on Sarah in the beginning to have mm-hmm. a husband on dialysis, which we had moved to home dialysis mm-hmm. at that point. And having a two-year-old and a six-month-old was just horrendous. But my wife is a wonderful saint. (laughs) It wasn't horrendous. It was was difficult. It was was a big challenge. Yeah, tell us from your perspective about that time when he started having the health problems and then was diagnosed and what was going through your mind. So when he was first diagnosed for me, I feel bad saying this, but I was so focused on our baby son, mm-hmm. and I think I had all these just happy, wonderful hormones. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just fine, and I, I think back and think I probably wasn't much of a support to him um, because I was like, okay, I'm sorry about that, honey. Calvin and I are doing great. Um, <laughs> It was but, a good um, distraction you had yes, in life. Maybe yeah. that was I but you were that a might wonderful support. God's providence mm-hmm. to, to give us Calvin before all this happened. because um, he was such a little joy. Um but then later on when we did start the home dialysis, I was probably eight months pregnant with Duncan and so that was that was a lot. That was kind of a lot of stress, mm-hmm. but um, I think, you know, that Footprints poem, that <laughs> just makes me think of that. Yeah. I think God was just carrying us through that, through having, you know, a, a baby and then a newborn and um, doing this dialysis that took, what, like a total of three or four hours every night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from setup, from setup, we would yeah. start, we would put the boys down, one of us would put the boys down to bed and the other one would get the dialysis machine set up in our living room. Right. And, you know, the other blessing that really came out of there was Howard and Barbara Anderson, for some reason, and I just think that the Lord put it on their heart, mm-hmm. offered us to come stay in their building. And they just had this really neat place. And it was for the it was just for the right amount of time yeah. and it, at just the right time. Mm-hmm. So we had more space and we were able to do the dialysis. And, um, but we would start at like 6.30 or 7, and we wouldn't fit, we'd get everything put away at like 9.30 or 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was if everything went really smooth and went well. And Right. And sometimes Howard and Barbara would, they would take Duncan or whoever was crying. Yes, and we, yeah. needed, we needed an extra pair of arms while we got Mike set up. So that was a huge blessing to mm-hmm. be there yeah. with them right across the way. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you guys do the dialysis in home? Well, when we moved down here, we moved pretty quickly to doing it mm-hmm. because it's just so much healthier for you. Mm-hmm. This isn't a dialysis advertisement, but <laughs> at home is doing it so much better than in-center. Yeah, yeah. But it requires to have a full-time caregiver while you're on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take too much fluid off, and then I would pass out, and Sarah would have to activate wow. an IV and wow. give me more fluid. So it's we had a couple of those moments that yeah. were like little you know, pretty tough and a little scary at moments. Um, but so we started that soon. And I'd say after about a year and a half is when I got the transplant then. Wow. So, and that was in 2000, September mm-hmm. of 2010. Mm-hmm. So a total of three years yeah. of dialysis. Yeah. But 
a good portion of that we moved to at home because that really changed mm -hmm. the whole process for mm -hmm. me. The diet is so difficult, and that f opened up freedom and gave me way more energy. And yeah, so I really liked having to go through that at home yeah. more than yes. in center. Yes, definitely. And I know that you um, were a little bit of a star in San Diego during the transplant. <laughs> uh, was it Sharp? That uh, scripts. Scripts. Yeah. They used yeah. you as kind of their poster child a little bit. So tell a little bit about the transplant and how you got a donor and yeah. how that worked out. Well, Sarah is the one who kind of initiated the thing. And it's because she was going to a mom's Bible study. or Yeah, mom to mom here mm -hmm. at the church. Yeah. And then she went there and... I always had this weird feeling that I couldn't ask for a transplant because I felt I was misusing my position as a pastor. You couldn't ask the congregation. Yeah. Hmm. So she just went and she asked, could some, could we all pray hmm. for a, for a donor mm -hmm. to come forward? And then one of the moms in that group went home and told her husband mm -hmm. and he said, wow, I would like to do that. Hmm. And the cool story is, you know, it was the Wassermans. It was Kahala Wasserman was in the Bible study, and his husband, her husband, Gary, was the one who ended up giving me the transplant. But he had just a really neat realization. He had a tough time when his son was in middle school and wasn't there for him a lot. And he really felt this compelling feeling that he said, Mike was there for my son hmm. when I couldn't be. And so now that Mike needs help, I want to be there for him. So cool. Which was really amazing. Yeah. And I remember the, you know, I remember him. He's he's a great kid. He's mm -hmm. doing really well. He's mm -hmm. off doing great things. Um, but so he got tested, and the doctors didn't think he'd be able to donate. And so he kept getting tested more and more, mm -hmm. and he kept being more green lighted more and more. And then it's just rare to have a living donor, especially someone who knows that mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Most of them are cadaveric kidneys and. So this was a living donor, and Scripps really likes to celebrate those yeah. moments and inspire people. And so it just went from I received a kidney, and then on the year anniversary, they just went into overdrive. <laughs> and they had us going – I think one of the coolest moments is they invited us all down to Scripps Pier yeah. to go surfing. And it happened that Gary surfs, I surf, and the four surgeons in the transplant department all surf as well very cool and that's a rare treat that you know most people don't get to go surf with their doctor yes. who put a new kidney in them and so we all got to do that <laughs> and i think my favorite part of the whole story is the photographers and the people who are doing the interviews and the videographers all kind of expected us to paddle out catch three waves and come in mm -hmm. but they don't know surfers very well because <laughs> we ended up surfing for like 45 minutes to an hour awesome. and they're waving us in and we're just like hey guys <laughs> i mean those poor people but then they came in and then they interviewed us and they made a if you want to see it just google mike sedgwick scripts transplant and you see this really funny public service announcement from Scripps. <laughs> but then they invited us. You know, Scripps was a huge sponsor. It was once Qualcomm Stadium mm -hmm. for the Padres. And so they invited us there. Well, I guess it was at Petco then. Um, and so they invited us there, and we got to go down on the field. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And that classic <laughs> moment where we're standing on the field. And in 2007, Mike Sedgwick discovered <laughs> he needed a kidney transplant. <laughs> There's that you know, and, then, and with the help of Scripps doctors in 2010, he received that oh life. I mean, it was God. so funny. And we're just like waving on the field. We're like, hello. You're like, that's me. <laughs> so that was a little surreal, but it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know this, but they have a really neat picture in Scripps Green Hospital mm -hmm. of Gary and I standing next to each other. and. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll be sitting there waiting for my next appointment and people will kind of look at me and then look at the wall and do a little <laughs> double take. And I'm like, that's me. That's <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> so, but that was a really, that was a really special moment. And Gary got this great upgrade and now lives in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason there to donate. Go. There you go. <laughs> but he, he's just a wonderful, generous man. Mm -hmm. And, I really like thinking about the fact that we got to experience Christ in a profound way. Yeah. That once again, I got to receive a life-giving donation yeah. of someone else sacrificed their body for mm -hmm. me. And he got to 
take on a little bit of what Christ felt mm-hmm. of sacrificing himself mm-hmm. for the life of somebody else. Yeah. So just this last September was eight years. That's so amazing. I can't believe that. Yeah. Wow. I keep telling people I want to try to set the world record for longest kidney donation. Yes. <laughs> Lord willing, that'll go. Yeah. Well, tell us about that. What What does that look like? Whatever you want to share with that. Um, how are you doing? What does the future hold? Well, things are going well. That's mm-hmm. the good news. I mm-hmm. just was at the doctor about two weeks ago, and my they, they measure all these levels of kidney function, and it's mm-hmm. just still a very good level for a transplant patient. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as your kidney mm-hmm. level or anything. A good healthy level is like a 0.7. doesn't matter what it is. Mine's at 2.1. When I went in for the day of the transplant, it was like an 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. So it's stabilized and it's been there for a very long time. I do take a lot of medicine every day, so I still take my immune suppression medicine. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for people to not get me sick and have yeah. to take good self-care with washing hands and things mm-hmm. like that. But for the most part, other than taking pills twice a day, mm-hmm. I really don't notice much. Mm-hmm. And and same for you, Sarah. It's just become normal. Right. The new when, normal. When he first was getting the transplant, we had to go to these classes to teach us how we had to be so careful about mm. germs and I had to wipe everything all the time with antibacterial mm-hmm. wipes and you couldn't use the same knife twice and um, it really made me a little uh, paranoid about it. Yeah. I was thinking okay how am I going to keep him from getting sick but as you know months went by and the years have gone by um, nothing is really different from how it was before. Uh, you know we've gotten to know um that it, we don't have to be that vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think he's just got a strong immune system somehow, yeah, yes. <laughs> despite um, thank God, despite the immune suppression. So, yeah, thank God. I was really worried about it, but it's mm-hmm. it's fine. Things are things yeah. feel very normal. It mm-hmm. does, which mm-hmm. is just praise God because yes. it's transplant is an amazing thing. I'm looking forward to the one day they can 3D print or grow or something. I'm all in for that. For stuff. the next one? That's what it's going to be. be. I'm good. all in. I I agree. I, no I would love that. No immune suppression, all that stuff. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's been some small things. I, of course, have a much higher risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to be careful and things like that. But mm-hmm. otherwise, we just go on doing exactly what anybody mm-hmm. would do. You'd mm-hmm. never know it. Mm-hmm. So... That's we don't worry thing. about the future. We just we just trust God's yeah. will is going to yeah. happen, and right. whatever happens, you know, He's got it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I do think that somehow in this whole process of kidney transplant and health, I often wonder, Lord, did you bring me through this so that I could understand other people better? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true, but it's really that Romans 5 passage about suffering produces perseverance. I used to think that that was I guess I I guess I kind of just thought about it like what a great thing to have hope at the end of suffering. Hmm. But until you go through major suffering, you don't realize that that's really just a prescription. Hmm. It's just what happens. It's it's actually more like a principle. Yeah. It applies to everybody. You have suffering and everyone will. And you either choose to go on living and trust in God or you no one's everyone's just going to want to move forward mm-hmm. and that by definition produces perseverance you've yeah. persevered through your difficulties mm-hmm. and that builds your character it's just a fact mm-hmm. your perseverance builds you into a, a, a it builds up your character into mm-hmm. a better person and mm-hmm. you understand and then that brings in the end hope because you say i got through this one the lord was with me mm-hmm. the lord still loves me and it's all good yeah so now the next time suffering comes along I can persevere more. I can go through and and have you have that hope that Christ is with you. Mm-hmm. So I look back on that how that has really changed ministry for me. Yeah. And changed my relationship with Christ mm-hmm. in pretty dramatic ways because I just know that the Lord is with me and even if it seems like my physical body is going through difficulty the Lord is with me. Does it make so- you more bold? I, I think in some ways, mm-hmm. not not physical things, because I always am worried that I might fall yes, or do something yes, like that. Be careful. But one of the big changes in ministry that has taken place for me is, and especially with our boys growing up and being older and 
realizing that our time, we only have so much time with them. I, I move away from those moments in ministry that aren't as valuable. Hmm. Like, I'd love to hang out with somebody, but I don't just want to get coffee. Mm-hmm. I want to get coffee and talk about faith mm-hmm. or how is Jesus impacting you or mm-hmm. me. Let's grow closer to Christ mm-hmm. in our life together. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's made me more bold is I don't want to – if I'm meeting with someone who is on the cusp or having a faith crisis, I want to give everything that I can because I have this hope. I want them to get there and have their faith grow and mm-hmm. not miss an opportunity to share truth with them. Yeah. So that's where it's made me more bold. That's exciting. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was scary at first. You're like, am I going to say this? But I'm like, wait, I'm a pastor. They're expecting me to say this. Of course I will. It's okay. Free license. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your family. So Calvin, your son, is 12? He's 11. He's 11. And Duncan is 10. Just turned 10. And you guys have chosen to homeschool your kids. I would love for you guys to talk about that a little bit. Tell why made that choice and and what does that look like so um when calvin was a baby actually i was reading all the parenting books i could get my hands on um so i could figure out how to do this thing and one of them just briefly mentioned the concept of homeschooling near the end of the book and i thought oh interesting never thought about that before um and i thought it sounded worth researching so i did and when i started learning some things about it, everything about homeschooling seemed to make so much sense, especially for our family and who we are. So I ended up making a a list of pros and cons, and the pros far outweighed the cons. And so I brought up the idea to Mike, and he was a little skeptical at first. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess he thought it sounded like it was worth a try. Maybe he just wanted to keep his wife happy. (laughs) Maybe both. Um, So we went for it. And it's been the most amazing adventure. It's been the hardest, but probably best thing I've ever done, besides marrying Mike and (laughs) (laughs) trusting Jesus. Um, It's mainly me doing the formal teaching, but it's really a lifestyle choice for the whole family. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really for all of us. Um, So some of those pros on the list, uh, life is simpler and less hectic, I think, than a lot of families mm-hmm. experience uh, today in the modern world. Um, it feels more natural. It feels like life is not just about getting here and getting there and checking off the next item off the list, but we just have more time and space for being creative and pursuing what it inspires us, uh, time to dialogue, more um, time for prayer and laughter. Um, we get to we get to sleep as long as we need to in yeah, the morning. Yeah. Like sometimes nice. there's nights that you know, <laughs> I'm going to go back in time and start over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's I think that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean we don't think that much about sleep, but I think that's a major thing: mm-hmm. sleeping and eating. If you don't sleep well and eat well, things are going to be difficult. Yeah. So I appreciate not having to get up um, by a certain time or get you know rush around and get out of the house by a certain time. Um, we do have a pretty consistent routine, though. We have breakfast around 8. Uh, before then, we usually all have some chores that we do. Um, but breakfast is our main family meal together because Mike often has uh, evening meetings mm. or, you know, he works he works most of the day on Sunday and takes sort of half of Fridays off. So we get, you know, we get to have times together um, that we wouldn't otherwise have. And I think the, you know, the importance of that probably started to hit home when, when Mike was sick and had very little energy mm-hmm. when the boys were little. And so whenever he was home, he might have been <laughs> taking a nap on the floor yeah. and the boys were crawling all over him. But I, I was just so thankful to have him there with them um, when he was there and the fact that we could be with him when, when he was home. We wanted to spend as much time together as possible. So, um, 
So we have breakfast together. We get to start the day with a healthy meal. We pray together. We read scripture together. We get to encourage each other for the day ahead. And the four of you do that together yeah. every morning. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. We currently are reading scripture in Spanish, too. Oh, which is nice. Really nice. <laughs> we're learning Spanish. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm teaching a co-op Spanish class. I love so. it. It's inspired me too. I got a little um, the beginner's Bible bilingual, so nice. But I have to cover up the English side, so there. <laughs> so I have I read it in Spanish, and they have to try to figure out what it actually means instead of just reading the English side. Very cool. But yeah, so that's really fun. Um, but I just think if they had to be at school by seven thirty or even eight, we just would not have that. You know, nice, right. nice slow getting started to the day together. Um, and everyone's in their PJs. Not really. <laughs> no. No, we're not we're not Mike. I know Mike is going to work after that, yeah. Yeah, he's ready. He's showered and everything. Mm-hmm. We're not one of those homeschool families that's in PJs all day. I, no. That would feel depressing to me. No, we, we get going. We're serious. <laughs> we're, and we, you know, we're not just at, at home all day, every day. We yeah. have lots of things we do, so... Yeah, a typical, a typical week is, is how does that look? So um, this year we are doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do school at home. Um, but they do have, right now they're doing football, they have flag football um, with our co-op. Uh, our, our, they technically are part of a school called Heritage Christian School, mm. it's a private school. But I'm their teacher mm, at the school. Nice. But there are lots of co-op classes. We are doing three separate co-ops um, through that school. Um, and so I'm teaching Spanish this year. Last year I taught chemistry, just low, you know, mm. <laughs> low-level chemistry. That's great, though. Fourth through sixth I'm grade. sure you're great at it. So Tuesday, most Tuesdays and all Thursdays we have classes. We have co-op classes. Um, so pretty much... Pretty much every day we're going somewhere. Um, Fridays we do school at home, and then um, we'll usually have some time with Mike in the afternoon. Maybe we'll go somewhere. Maybe we'll just hang out at home. But we're we're pretty busy. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually kind of hard to get everything done that I we want to do. Yeah. Um, just for our home time, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mm-hmm. And each of those co-op classes, they attend three classes at each one of them. Right, so mm-hmm. they have nine outside classes plus what we do at home. That's a lot. But, you know, they'll have PE or mm-hmm. karate, or it's not stuff they have homework for. A lot of it is, but mm-hmm. not not everything. So it's not as crazy as it sounds. Um, but it's it's just good to be able to have that family time together that I think is hard to find sometimes when everybody's got a crazy yeah. <laughs> crazy packed schedule. Mm-hmm. So it sounds ideal. It's it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. It's not easy um, to be with your kids all day every day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, it's like I said, it's it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's so worth it. Um, another benefit is that we can really focus on character um, mm-hmm. because we have so much time together. I feel like if my kids didn't learn anything in their first 18 years, then how to uh, have Christ-like character, how to treat other people, um, how to engage with God, they would still be far better off right. than if they'd aced every class in school but were lacking integrity 100%. or yeah, something else character-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they're going to be perfect, of course. No, but, but you're so right. At least they know what's important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they can take, they can always go back and take classes if there's anything we've missed. Um, but if they haven't had that time and space to develop good character, um, how are they going to learn that later on? You're right. It's much harder to learn later on. So, And I know that you've said through the years <laughs> that you're, you just take it year by year and, right. and see if it works. But right. so far, so good. Yeah. I And there have been, I think this is the first year where I haven't questioned every single day, mm. Lord, is this the right thing? Mm. <laughs> because it's hard. <laughs> the other hard thing about it is, I mean, it's so, it's still counterculture. Um, it's hard to do something so different from mm. what everybody, most people around you are doing. And it's really growing a lot. It's mm-hmm. growing very quickly. Homeschooling is um, and that that helps a lot um, to have so many people. I mean, our co-op heritage is just full of amazing families. I would not be able to do this without the support so great. of the yeah. community. 
Um, but still, you know, most of the people in our church, most of the people in our neighborhood around us are not homeschooling, so mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. But, yeah, I, I keep praying, Lord, is this still the right thing? <laughs> Seems like so it, far, yeah. So far, he keeps saying, yes, this is the way, yeah. walk in it. So, I love it. So we're still going. I love it. And it's it. good. It's a blessing. I remember when we were first talking about it, I, of course, went into panic mode and thought about <laughs> socialization. Oh. They're going to be those kids. Mm-hmm. And Sarah and I had a lot of really great conversations. She has a lot of wisdom about it. But one of the things that she mentioned to me was that children often, especially their character, values, mm-hmm. and morals and ethics, are like wet concrete. Mm-hmm. And working with middle school and high school students often i have seen in the past what happens when that is not a properly set area hmm. and the concrete hardens mm-hmm. and sometimes like our middle school staff they have to use jackhammers to break up some of those right. I love that areas yeah. of character and values mm-hmm. and ethics because it's hardened that way mm-hmm. And so we were very i love that illustration and we were very intentional at trying to set up the blocks as these two young yeah. men were developing and what do we want them to do? And I remember one conversation Sarah had with me, and it really caught me off guard. And I, I was like, I, I know the right answer, but I don't know how I feel about it. And at some point she said, do you want our sons to be men of high character or just cool? Mm. And there's this weird thing in our – because, of course, I was like, <laughs> It's a hard question. But a great question. Yeah. We want our kids to be really cool. We Hmm. want them to be liked. We don't want them to be bullied. We want them to be class presidents. We want them to be leaders and fit in and not be the one who sticks out, Hmm. the outcast. We're all terrified of that. And I really struggled with that because I thought to myself, are we setting our kids up to be that way? Hmm. And – the quick answer is it's just – it's a myth. Yeah. It's a total myth that, first of all, your kids, no matter how much time they go to school or whatever, still spend the most of the amount of time with mom and dad. And they turn out to be a lot like mm-hmm. who their parents are, just like we did mm-hmm. when we turned out to be like our parents. And so if we are socially awkward, there's going to be a good chance that our kids might be a little socially awkward. <laughs> if we're extroverts and happy and gain mm-hmm. energy from being around people, there's a good chance that our kids are going to be like that. Yeah. If you think about your own kids, they probably have some very strong personality traits similar to either mom or dad. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it kind of works. And so that was a huge relief for me knowing, well, I like Sarah. And I, you know, she's (laughs) great. (laughs) And I think I'm okay. And so I was like, you know, they're going to get a lot of socialization because we're social. And so that ended that myth. Mm -hmm. And then I really thought when you go through school, coolness is kind of a thing. Mm. But once school ends, Mm -hmm. it's nothing. Right. Who wants to just hire the cool person? You want mm-hmm. the person who's high integrity and mm-hmm. character, and they think differently. Mm-hmm. And that's where I have really seen the benefit of homeschooling our boys. Love that. Is they come up with a different answer mm-hmm. because they are allowed to think very freely mm-hmm. with whatever the situation is. Yeah. The other thing that's always been very striking to me is that our homeschool our homeschool families are filled with people who were teachers. Hmm. That's interesting. And when it was their kid, huh. they stopped teaching to teach their own kid. Wow. It's filled it's so many people. Wow, oh, that, I used that to be tells teacher. you something right there, right? right. <laughs> and there's nothing I was a public school kid. Yeah, me too. And mm-hmm. I think back about the the things that I learned from my peers were mostly all negatives. Hmm. The things that I learned from adults were mostly positive mm-hmm. in my life today. Mm-hmm. So we're just extending that opportunity. Yeah. And every parent and every family, I don't want to discount anybody's parenting or family style, but this is what worked for us and it made a lot of sense. Great. But the idea of time, mm-hmm. 
changed. And I know there are a lot of families out there that are like, we can't stand our kids, <laughs> right? And kids do drive us crazy. That is so true. Okay. Calvin, Duncan, if you ever listen to this, I love you. But parent, kids can you, drive you crazy, <laughs> right? They're children. And so, They'll understand someday. Yeah. <laughs> but homeschooling for me, and of course, Sarah's with them much longer during the day than mm-hmm. I am. But it's changed our rhythm. Hmm. And time together is very accepted. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, it kind of, it's like a well-worn natural path hmm. that is developed. It's just how it is yeah. that we enjoy being together. Yeah, love that. It, it's, not, it's not forced. Mm-hmm. We're not making up for lost time. I know that looking back at it now, I, there are families who come into crisis and they want to solve 10 years of not spending mm-hmm. a lot of time together by yeah. an extended vacation. And the truth is you can't make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. You can only change direction and start going to a new destination. Mm-hmm. But through homeschooling, we kind of started a certain direction. And one of my great hopes is that my kids will want to be with me even when they don't have to yeah. be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my mm-hmm. hopes. Yes. The, the, I want to be with you even though I don't have to be. I yes. could be gone right now, but I want to be here. That's the best. That is what I want. Mm-hmm. That's an end goal that I have for my kids. And so all of the concerns that I had, we prayed for a lot over our kids. We have prayed for, Lord, just please provide them with great friends. And they have some incredible friends. Mm-hmm. We are very blessed, and I think the Lord is just blessing us with that and answering those prayers. Uh, but through the homeschool class, they have uh, three really good groups of friends, yeah. and it's these families. And it just so happens that the older sibling is the same age as Calvin, and the younger son, they're all boys, and the younger sibling <laughs> mm-hmm. is the same age as Duncan. Perfect. In three families. That's amazing. And they are all best buddies. And so they go to, they go, you know, they want to spend time together. They get on the computer and they do Mm -hmm. FaceTime together. Mm -hmm. They come up with weird ideas together. They build (laughs) forts together. They have sword fights and Mm -hmm. Nerf gun battles. I mean, they do everything that 10 and 11 year old boys should be doing. And they have a great core group. And then the education is also of very high quality Mm -hmm. because you have all these people that are teachers that want to continue it. Amazing. There's so much curriculum out there that you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And I often tell people this and they get shocked, but Heritage wants us to have them take the SAT every year. Wow. Now it's it's, it's not not the high school SAT. High school SAT. (laughs) Yeah, but still, it's their age appropriate because it's just the standard achievement. Yeah. And it's more of a measuring tool for us as parents. Mm -hmm. Are you missing Mm -hmm. teaching your kids something? Hmm. And that way it gives us a tool for Mm -hmm. us to be able to focus on it. Mm -hmm. Plus, what a great benefit that they've been taking the SAT yeah. when they get to that right. time in high school. They're going to be like, oh, again. Not, I got to <laughs> yeah. take it. I know. Take a test it's for genius. The first time ever. It's genius. <laughs> right? I love it. So, yeah. But I just think they are, ex- they teach me so much. Yeah. And right now, the, the favorite joke is to talk about me in Spanish because <laughs> I don't know what they're saying and they just laugh and <laughs> it's so fun. That's so fun. But uh, yeah, so in the beginning, I had a lot of hesitation. Mm-hmm. It takes the right person. It takes a commitment to mm-hmm. it. But we absolutely love it. That's awesome, you guys. Yeah. I love that. Very cool. All right. We're going to do something that's a little fun. Just I call it the speed round, which mm. basically just means I'm going to ask you some questions and you can give one answer. You don't have to explain, but I know we all like to explain. So <laughs> we'll try there may we'll be some back. explanations. <laughs> okay. Where did you guys go on your first date? I have to let Mike answer that because I remember it, but I don't remember where it was. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because we even have different times that we met, e- that we think we met each other. <laughs> That's I'm, true. I totally know exactly where I met her, and she'll say, "No, that's not where we met each other." It was at this point. Oh, that's funny. So we we kind of first started being very casual and dating, and we're hanging out at a, this place called the Aloha House. But my in favorite Spokane? in Spokane, okay. it was like where all the Hawaiians got to live. I don't yeah. know. Somehow I got adopted into there. <laughs> One of their theme houses. The, yeah, the Aloha House. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember my first date that I really had fun planning was I 
called in reservations for like six different restaurants and made a little box (laughs) that Sarah had to draw things out of. And so the first round was, where are we going for appetizers? And Cute. she pulled something out of a box, and it was that restaurant, and we went there. Fun. And then, okay, now pull it one out for where we're going for dinner, and we went there. And then, Fun. But I just had to call in like six or nine <laughs> reservations for all these different restaurants. And then I think we went ice skating at the outdoor skating rink. Was that the same time, or was that a different time? I think that was a different day, but uh, I do still have that box. You do? Oh, nice. Do you agree that that was your first date? I don't know. <laughs> that was my first memorable am, one that we really. Very well. <laughs> I mean, college, you're on campus, mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's kind of like there's just a lot of yeah. little hangout times, yeah. but that was like our first, like, let's go out. Mm-hmm. Be official. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really fun. And we d- they do have, Spokane has an outdoor ice skating rink, yes. and we went there. And so it's nice. A, it's nice. But it was a surprise. You, did, you would not I tell did. me where we were Aww. going at first. I think I told you something about the Wonder Bread the Factory. Because yes. we parked near the bread factory, and I was like, oh, we're and going said, to get free samples of bread. And she's like, what? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a college student thing to do, but. I love it. And that was dinner. We turned the corner and there was the outdoor skating rink and we went there. So very cool. I remember seeing the skating rink from from the car, but I don't remember skating. (laughs) (laughs) That was so long ago. We got little kids. We got kids now. We're like, whoa, what do we we remember? Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) I love it. All right. What is your favorite thing to do on a Saturday? Read. Yeah, Sarah. Quietly by myself. <laughs> Sarah likes to read quietly by, my, by herself. I like to do stuff together. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's usually the one day where we really get to, you know, we'll, we have breakfast together. Sarah usually goes shopping for the week. And then it's like, boys, let's build something. Mm-hmm. Let's make something. Let's go somewhere. Let's, because that's my main core day mm-hmm. to be able to really mm-hmm. spend with them and. So that's our favorite. That's my favorite thing. But it's also a great rest time for Sarah to yeah. just be like, "Yes, I'm going to be quiet. You've and- been on all week. <laughs> yes. yes. I also love to hike and just go on nature walks and go to the beach. And I used mm-hmm. to always, almost always drag them on a Saturday outside somewhere. Mm-hmm. But they've gotten so into just making things in the garage. And they love being together and doing that so much that... I just let him do that. You just, that's <laughs> good. good plan. The dog and I go for a hike. Or, or we'll do bike rides. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's, nice. really, it's really just, we just love doing family together time. Yes. Love that. Do you guys have hobbies? Well, I did. Sarah mentioned it just a minute ago. I just like making stuff. Mm-hmm. This is weird, but I really think there's never no there's never an end in ministry. You never mm-hmm. get to check mark mm-hmm. someone's faith or my own faith as a, okay, that's done. Yeah. I really like to make things. The weird thing is I like to start a lot of projects and then be like, that's close enough. I made something. (laughs) But lately with the boys, we've just really been into either making – we make stuff out of wood. I really just wanted to start incorporating like little LED lights Mm. and electronics into Mm. stuff. And so I wanted Calvin and Duncan to – you know, we, we solder stuff together, and mm-hmm. I always have this rule that if they want to do it, we're going to do it. It just needs to be Good. safe. Yes. So we just – if they want to do something, I just love doing it with them. Very but cool. But really, one of my main hobbies is actually just family. It's mm-hmm. really funny. We just love being together. Mm-hmm. And so – Wrestling. The boys love yeah, to wrestle. Yes. Wrestle, of course. <laughs> all those things. But I, I like – I really enjoy making Mm-hmm. making just miscellaneous stuff yeah. installing stuff on a car or working on something like that building mm-hmm. woodworking yeah weird things like that nice what about you sarah and i well i i want to say painting but i don't think i can call it a hobby because i just don't do it often enough but when i have more time and painting will become a hobby again um, or a career or a career or both <laughs> yeah Yep. I support the arts, <laughs> as you know. I know. Yeah. I know. I like, well, I mentioned nature walks. I love to hike. I love to hike with my dog mm-hmm. and just explore God's creation. Yeah. It's just life-giving to me. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. The other, the other thing we love to do is just go on adventures. Mm-hmm. This last mm-hmm. year, we drove all the way out to Texas, and we have a truck and a little mm-hmm. camper that goes on the mm-hmm. back, and we just loved it. It was hard to actually come back 
because it was like <laughs> yeah you had so much fun yeah, yeah it was so much fun and i have some destinations that i really want to go to sometime i want to try to drive to alaska i think mm-hmm. that'd be amazing we want to go out and see all of the national parks yeah. in the southwest yeah. and I think it'd be really fun to go somehow see the Panama Canal. Mm. I don't know how to do all that, but it sounds <laughs> terrific. But we we, we like having yeah. that adventure and just going for it, Very which cool. I think is really fun too. Yeah, that is cool. I love that. All right, books you're reading now. People like to know. My, I have a couple books. I, I switched and listened to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. For some reason, as I drive or do other things, I can listen and I can just cruise through books and I strangely absorb them. Yes. So one of them that I'm doing right now is called Irresistible, mm. about re- that 2,000 years ago, Jesus was totally irresistible, that people who were nothing mm. like him followed him. Mm. And how do we reclaim that irresistibility mm-hmm. in church? Mm-hmm. It does challenge a lot of our core thinking, especially if we grew up being Christians. Hmm. Um, I I read that. I mentioned earlier I'm reading – this is, I think, my third time reading Everybody Always mm-hmm. by Bob Goff, which is really funny because I only read it so many times because I'm reading it with these yeah, high school and sure. college students. But we got the audio book and listened to it as a family, mm-hmm. which was terrific. Mm-hmm. And um, the other book that I really want to – that I have on my to-do list is a book that Sarah read and really recommended called ha- Hospitality Comes with a House Key. Is that right? Um, the Gospel Comes with a House Key. The Gospel mm-hmm. Comes right? with a House Key. Rosaria mm-hmm. Butterfield. Yeah. So those are three. And then I'm, this isn't really a book, but I am studying the FAA's manual on becoming a commercial drone pilot. I know about that. <laughs> Since my son is doing so, the same. Yeah. So he and I are working on that little <laughs> – so, so I, I listen to it. So it's not really an audio book. But those are my three biggies. Yes. Is irresistible, everybody always, and then I want to read The Gospel Comes with a House King. Yes, very cool. Very cool. How about you? So I've, I've read a couple books by Philip Keller, and I highly, highly recommend his books. Um, right now I'm reading Wonder of the, Wonder, oh, the Wind, Wonder of the Wind. Um I think it's it's kind of like his biography, um, but the first two books I read of his were um, Lessons from a Sheepdog and A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, hmm. and they're just excellent, just challenging and eye-opening in amazing ways. So hmm. those are awesome. Great suggestions. Yeah. And then I just started reading Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. I'm just interested mm-hmm. in anthropology. And yeah. How God Created Humans. It's fascinating to me. Oh, cool. So. And if you have boys, the book that we are reading as a family, I mean, the boys power through books pretty well, uh-huh. but every once in a while we'll pick a book and read it out loud as a family. And the book that I enjoyed reading most recently is called The Mysterious Benedict Society. Oh. If you have a young boy or a girl in like that fourth or maybe like even third through grades. sixth grade, Oh my gosh, it's filled with adventure and oh. excitement. It's not a Mystery. Christian book, but it's really cool. Mm. And then I was just talking, we read these books a while ago, but there's this really great series, and we only read the ones for boys, but there's also for girls. And I remember one of the books was called uh, Ten Boys Who Changed the World. Oh, yeah. And it's a really Mm -hmm. super simple book, Mm -hmm. but they also have ones Mm -hmm. for girls, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. And those are just fascinating to hear about how famous people when they were kids, Mm -hmm. what what their form, how they were formed, Mm -hmm. what they did, and came up with ideas and... So those are those were, we had fun reading those too not too long ago. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, final question: Dream vacation destination. If you could go anywhere for vacation, where would you go? Well, I'd pack up and start driving somewhere with our <laughs> truck right now. Or, uh, I mean, that would be one. I also think it would be really fun. Uh, there's a place not too far down in Mexico where you can go down and like take a boat ride out and pet whales mm-hmm. I think that sounds super cool mm-hmm. but i've always wanted to go someplace pretty tropical too mm-hmm. like bali or mm-hmm. something or fiji mm-hmm. just really out there and yeah those are but i would be just content with throwing the camper on and driving to alaska and seeing what going through <laughs> canada's like and, that's more along my <laughs> my lines alaska somewhere north england mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Norway. Cold places. Cold places. <laughs> yeah. Cold places. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but also, I mean, the Mediterranean, Greece, Italy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to choose. Yeah. But 
It's Maybe just, for the 25th Alaska. wedding we anniversary. How many years have you guys been married? 18. We, yeah, we have very easy. We were married in the year 2000. Yeah, okay. So as long as we know That's what year easy. it is, we're yes. pretty safe. <laughs> we know how many years. Yeah. It doesn't so know what's a date, yes, but yes. we seem to do okay with that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe on the 25, you guys will do some big yeah. blowout vacation. That'd be fun. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Is there anything you guys would like to add? Before we close, well, anything? Shannon, you're asking a pastor if there's anything <laughs> I can add. You can talk all day. I could talk all day, <laughs> but I won't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. It. No, but Shannon, thanks for having us. This is thank really fun. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike and Sarah, for joining me on the LJPC Conversations podcast, and thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast has been produced by me, Shannon Cunningham, and our wonderful director of communications and Mike's brother, Jim Sedgwick. Come on.